the Census of the Silver Screen with Ilya, Hannah and Daisy. Each week we'll be watching the highest grossing films of each census year since 1921 and talking about them for your auditory pleasure. Hello and welcome to Census of the Silver Screen. And um, yeah, we're we very amateur at this, <laughs> so it sounds terrible. Um, please forgive us. Um, but welcome. Uh, there's three of us here. Um, the team, uh, and we'll just introduce ourselves quickly. Uh, I'm Hannah, I'm a second year English student, so film is like a holiday for me. Um, and um, my relationship to film is similar to Ross and, Ross and Rachel's from Friends, probably a bit unhealthy, and has taken up a lot of time, like 10 years worth of all I won't know. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that co-hosting this will make me like sort out my Film related issues. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, I'm Ilya. I'm a second year physics student at UCL, you know, shock horror. <laughs> um, you know, as the great Keanu Reeves once said, gosh, I love movies. I love watching them and I love making them. I can't really say if I agree with the second part only because I've never tried making my own film, but you know, the first part of the sentence rings pretty true for me. Um, yeah, I hope this radio show is a, like will be an opportunity for me to catch up on you know the last hundred years of film and kind of broaden my own horizons as well. So yeah, over to you, Daisy. Hello, I am Daisy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a second year student at KCL. Um, I did a media A level, so I'm bringing back the skills, the film analysis that I learned back in the day. Uh, I'm quite uneducated about films despite doing the media available. <laughs> so I'm hoping that this will, like you said, just give me the opportunity to watch some films that I probably should have before. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> okay. Um, each week we will be, just to explain the premise, we'll be watching the highest grossing film of each census year in the last hundred years, starting with 1921. The census year is just the, the years that end with a one, basically. And um, this week, 1921, uh, the Year of the Firsts, just to give you a roundup. First Laurel and Hardy film, The Lucky Dog. First Miss America pageant held, that's nice. First Agatha Christie novel to be published. There's a lot of things going on. There's post-war kind of austerity after World War One. There's international tension. There's um, kind of reparations being sorted out. The, um, the Treaty of Versailles was 1919, which many people saw as the, like, start of the development towards nine, uh, World War Two, yeah. with Germany being um, kicked yeah. when they're down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and rise of communism, there's um, the Soviet Union is, is kind of sorting itself out <laughs> and becoming established um, for better or worse, probably mainly for worse, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so uh, there's women's suffrage um, going on. There was the first birth control clinic in London set up in 1921. Um, and there's workers' rights activism movements, power of the workers' union is increasing. Um, on the cinema side of things, you've got, um, as I said, Laurel and Hardy starting out. The first full-length full, full feature directed by Chaplin called The Kid. It was actually the second highest grossing of that year, just narrowly, oh, narrowly beating up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, by Paul Horseman Apocalypse. People <laughs> apparently prefer to watch epics about... Mm. Um, global disaster than they do like to watch a man in a top hat fall over <laughs> repeatedly. Um, go figure. Um, 
uh, surrealist art was was in vogue and um, and prohibition in America. We, I think we're kind of mainly talking about America yeah. because basically we could only find statistics about uh, box office in America. Mm. So in America, there's prohibition um, starting in 1920, and there's also um, race tensions in America, unsurprisingly, and um, there's immigration uh, issues with um, people. Uh, there was a quota uh, established in 1921 whereby um, Jewish, mainly Jewish, uh, Eastern European immigrant uh, immigration was kind of um, curbed or tried to be curbed. Um, doesn't bear any relation to now, does it? <laughs> and um, also, fun fact. The first um, fast food chain was opened in Wichita. Um, I think that's Minnesota, is that? I have no idea, yeah. honestly. Which, which chain was it? Um, it was called White Castle Hamburger. I've actually heard of it. Really? Yeah. Tasty? I think, I think it still exists today. Really? I think so. Oh, oh yeah. Surprise. Okay, and also five world leaders were assassinated. So it's a fraught time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hamburgers and assassination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sums it up. <laughs> yeah, so um, that is the context of Four Horse Movie Apocalypse, mm. the, the film we watched. Um, we actually watched it two weeks ago, yeah. but <laughs> the film we're talking about this week. And I will hand over to Ilya to, yes. um, <laughs> to explain what the hell <laughs> is going on in yeah. this film. Oh, okay, well, first of all, like this film is chunky. Like, loads of things go down in this, in like, what, two hours? Two, like two hours, yeah, two, two, and two and a half hours, 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 fit ten minutes, and it's like a silent film as well. I mean, me and Hannah kind of <laughs> made the mistake of watching the silent film with no music at all. So you know, if you are thinking of watching it, I would highly recommend finding the version that has music. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Otherwise, it's just like the you know the soundtrack is just like you're breathing <laughs> and your like occasional like outbursts. Like what? Did that yeah. When you told me, I was so shocked. Yeah, yeah. Daisy well, was the smart one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> she was. She smart, looked yeah. past the first oh. YouTube, yeah, first exactly. YouTube video Cute. on the list, mm-hmm. and like me and Ilya, <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh yeah, that looks nice. <laughs> just go for that. Exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. So, anyways, uh, the film is kind of set like it starts off in the late 1800s, and we're introduced to this character called Madariaga and he's like an Argentine like um landowner and he has two daughters one who's married a French guy the other's married a German guy and this Madariaga like you know he quite obviously favors the French guy over the German guy so I guess you know read into that what you will um but after he dies the two families kind of like go their own way so obviously the French family go to Paris and the German family well we don't know which city they've gone to but yeah they've gone to Germany um, so yeah, now flash forward to Paris. Uh, we focus on the character of Julio Desnoyers. If I, I hope I'm saying that right. It is a silent film, so I have no idea if I'm if I've said it right. But yeah. you sound convincing. <laughs> That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so Julio Desnoyers, he's the son of yeah one of the daughters, like previously, like of the daughter and the French man. Um, and he's kind of like, you know, a ladies' man, kind of a player. Um, he does art and stuff, and like, there's a scene where he's like, drawing some women in his apartment or something, very scandalous. Um, but then he meets this woman called Marguerite Laurier, um, and she's the wife of one of Julio's dad's friends. Yeah, kind of a, a long-winded connection there. Yeah. But yeah, so... It's obviously it's quite scandalous because she's a married woman, but they kind of fall in love. Um, but eventually, their affair is found out and by the husband, whose name is Etienne Laurier. Um, 
Great name. Yeah, very good name. Um, and they decide to get a divorce, and you think that okay, cool, like, like the couple's gonna be happy now. But no, World War One breaks out. Damn. That's right. <laughs> and then at that point, like the movie, like you start seeing scenes in the film where, um, they show like the four horsemen in like misty, in like a misty like um. Field. Yeah, field exactly yeah. like you know as on their horses and it's kind of like Cantering. it's like a it's like a um video game intro scene so they like introduce each horseman like one by one so it's yes. pretty it's pretty cool pretty cool yeah. um and then so Marguerite becomes a nurse but her husband is like blinded so she kind of takes care of him and Julio you know he feels kind of like ashamed so he's kind of shamed into like enlisting into the military by himself yeah. basically. So yeah, he enlists. Um, meanwhile, his dad, named Marcelo, uh, escapes to like the family castle in the countryside, and his castle is kind of taken over by like a German general and his like company, I guess. And lo and behold, he meets one of his German long lost German nephews. You know, while he's hosting that German company, um, you know. So it's kind of it's a family re- reunion in not so not such ideal you know situations. <laughs> um, yeah. So flash forward. Uh, four years later, Julio is in no man's land and he meets his last living German cousin because the rest, you know, have kind of been in the dust. Um, but then they get hit by a shell, so they both die. <laughs> so yeah, it was very um, short-lived reunion as well. Um, and then it kind of there's like a scene where Marguerite is taking care of her husband. They've gone back to like Paris. Um, she's about to leave him for Julio, but then his ghost appears in the room and tells her to stay with her husband. So, you know, I guess very he's a very noble ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then so the movie just like uh, ends with like a graveyard scene. So um, they bury Julio and then Julio's dad is there and he's kind of sad. But then he's also obviously he's sad. <laughs> and then he's approached by this guy. Um, well, he was like Julio's upstairs neighbor. He does appear in like before that, but like I mean, I guess his shiny moment is kind of at the end where he's like, um, talking to uh Julio's dad and he's saying like, um, Julio's dad asks him, "Oh, did you know Julio?" And then he says, "Oh, I knew them all," like gesturing to the entire cemetery. So you know, he's kind of I don't know what 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 would you say his um character um description is like I don't know a seer or something yeah, yeah. He, pro- he prophesizes yeah exactly one starts he's like oh doom is coming yeah. I can see the four yeah, horsemen he can see it exactly yeah 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 um, so, so he has like visions yes exactly and, I don't know we can talk about this bit yeah later, later yeah, yeah for but, sure like he mm-hmm. might be god or yeah. he might be some, something else yeah exactly so basically the ending scene is just like the four horsemen riding away into a fog you know so yeah, yeah that's the uh, as brief a plot as I could give about this movie, but yeah, that's it. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna. So this is the part where we just kind of randomly ramble about the <laughs> film that we watched. Yeah. Uh, hopefully in a relatively entertaining way. But you can be the judge. Listener, <laughs> listener or listeners, being optimistic there. <laughs> um, okay, so we'll start by talking about like I would say maybe the definitive um, or one of the definitive. Um, or most memorable scenes mm. of the film. I, yeah. I think people remember this if you've watched it. Um, <laughs> remember this the most. It's the it's relatively early on in the film, uh, and it's a tango between the young Julio, played by Ruto Valentino, the silent film icon, <laughs> yeah. and um, I think is she named or is she just a nameless bluesy who he dances uh, with? She's probably named in the yeah. book or 
say it's based on a book. Yeah, but the so the tango scene's not in the book. Yeah, is it not? No. Oh, okay. Um, okay so yeah. Anyway, it's, it's basically Julio in still in Argentina before his grandfather dies. He's um, doing a very lustful tango dance with yes. his partner. They added so um, it's not in the book, and they <laughs> added it into the film merely because they knew Rudolph was doing her dance, and they were like, we gotta we gotta yeah. show this guy's talent <laughs> to those uh, masses of American <clears throat> women who will fawn over his tangoing talent. It's a talent show. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so basically tango is sin, is what we're told. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of very, very extreme close-ups of their mm-hmm. faces looking at each other, mm-hmm. like uh, with the with the bedroom eyes, if I yeah. can say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with that big tugged off air. Um, so yeah, it's basically um, lust. Yeah. Tango is lust. Um, do you, what, what did you guys think when you, when you were watching it? Well, I think it must have been really weird for you guys watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. really weird. It was like... We provided no, our own music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we did. Did we? <laughs> did I put, like, Tokyo Drift on or something? Or was that at another point? I, was just, I, like, I don't know. Either that. way, it was just not appropriate for tangoing yeah. music. That was, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of weird, yeah. It was intense with music, so it must have been... <laughs> yeah, it was underwhelming without <laughs> music. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rudolf Valentino, a bit of context. Um, he 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 was Italian uh, Italian immigrant. He was born Rudolfo Pietro Filiberto Raffaello Guglielmi. <laughs> Pronouncing that terribly. That was his full name. Again, amazing name. Rudolf Valentino is already a great. Yeah, name. exactly. But, yeah. Anyway, so he came to New York when he was eighteen, and one of his uh, main jobs before he became a um, very famous actor was that he was a taxi dancer. Um, of the Argentine tango, which is basically, if you've seen Dirty Dancing, it's basically yeah. Patrick Swayze. Oh my god. So <laughs> he would be paid to go to these fancy parties and um, teach um, elderly, mainly, mainly elderly, okay. elderly rich ladies how to dance. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some um, disagreement about whether or not he had. He gave his clients certain favors or not. I see. Um, this is a tangent, but I'll go down anyway. I'll put myself <laughs> down this tangent. He, one of his clients um, uh, was going through a divorce, and her very jealous husband assumed um, that they had been Rudolf Valentino and this woman. Her name was Blanca, sorry, um, Blanca Dussault. That's a good name as well. Yeah, it's a she, really good yeah. Name. she was like, um, where was she from? She was a South American heiress. Ooh. Yeah. And um, she married an American football star and then disliked him right. once he married him. <laughs> she married him. Oh. Um, and uh, so Rudolf Valentino kind of got caught up in this divorce proceedings and he got arrested. The, the ex husband got him arrested oh. um, using his political sway. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, but Rudolf. Rudolph, my pal Rudolph. <laughs> you know him. <laughs> then managed to wriggle his way out of it and left for le- left for LA before he could get too entangled in it. Mm. And that's when he started his film career um, in in Los Angeles, um, City of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Or it's, what is, is, that, is, is that City of Angels? Is City, it? Los whatever. <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> baby. Um, yeah. And then uh, to finish off the lovely tale of Blanca Dussault, she later shot her her ex husband um, in a custody dispute over their son, and then um, got uh, got off um, got off the charge of murder using her kind of 
feminine worlds and, mm. and working the media and she became one of the murderesses that were um, that were a, a, a model for Chicago, uh, the musical and the film. So he, Rudolph Valentino is living in a very filmic world, yeah, even before he's set foot on uh, stage or screen. Uh, yeah, um, all of that preamble was just saying he's a good dancer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he can really move. Yeah, he can. Um, yeah, but he was he. So in this film, he plays a kind of um, his his first on screen persona was the Latin lover. Mm. Uh, he he played exotic male leads because his look in in the very um, homogenous American American um, popular culture, his his like non Aryan look was mm. not all American. So he was he was initially he played villains and gangsters. Oh, okay. um, <clears throat> he didn't like this typecasting. And um, but he he basically played exotic parts right. um, throughout his career, um, which he found frustrating for obvious mm. reasons. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, and part of the reason he didn't really um, actually when did he die? Sorry, <laughs> he died in. Sorry, he died really young. Oh. I think he died in 1920. Oh, uh, he died at 31, and he was that's that. That's and he was born in nine, 1895. So I can't do that. I, I, will, I will not even attempt to do the math. Yeah. Uh, 26. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I guess. Yeah. 26. Oh, that's really that's really tragic. He actually, died. yeah. He died of, of what was then called Valentino syndrome. He was so famous. That wow. He died. Yeah, it's perforated ulcers mimicking appendicitis. Jeez. I really did my research. Wow, girl. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and yeah, he, he led a very interesting life. Yeah. Yeah. The um the riot police had to be called at his funeral because people were so wow incensed. <laughs> and um, there's like a tradition of um, a woman in black visiting his grave on his birthday and laying a red rose wow. on his grave. That is dedication. Yeah, it started as a PR stunt. I'm sure. Yeah. By the music, um, the music, the movie studios, and then it was repeated by copycats. Nice. Going forward. Anyway, I shut up about that. <laughs> 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 he did live a very interesting life. Yeah. So go look up Rudolph Yeah. Video and, um, you know, yeah. see what you uncover. <laughs> About that dude. Yeah, short but sweet. You yeah, know, I guess. Oh, sweet. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> sweet. I, I don't know whether he'd do that from there. Yeah. Mm. Well, he'd probably be quite fun to dance with, though. <laughs> judging by the scene that we watched. <clears throat> um. Yeah. He's not a great um person to have an affair with. Mm. Again, too. He dies on you pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> talk about the romance between Julio and Marguerite. Um, it's quite common in like epics for there to be like an epic disaster but also a kind of love affair going on at the same time. In Titanic. Like, yeah, exactly. Classic, yeah. Yeah, so um, we're going to be talking about those characters. So Marguerite is kind of trapped in a bit of an unhappy marriage. It was an arranged marriage, am I right? I think I so. Yeah, I, think, I mean, yeah. it's her father's friend. Is it her father's friend? Mm. I think so. He's a lot older than her. Yeah, much yeah. older. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Etienne. Etienne. Yeah. Good pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, they're quite. So Etienne discovers their affair because I don't. How do how they meet? It, how do Julio and Marguerite meet? Yeah. They meet at a party where Julio's again 
shredding the dance floor. Wait, yes, no, I don't think so. No, 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 they met at oh, the house, remember? The yeah, house. because yeah, yeah, because um um Marguerite's husband is yeah Julio's dad's like really good friend. So like he's like you know they're like having a little like boys uh, boys <laughs> right. night in, right. and then like yeah. suddenly Marguerite like walks in, and it's like like a. A scene, you know, where like it's like close ups on their face, it's like, kind of like love at first sight kind yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's oh, how they yeah, do it. Yeah. Sorry. But I think they do, there is a scene. They do dance. Yeah, yes. at a party, yeah. and that's when it escalates. Yeah, yeah that's when it escalates. Yeah. Also, should we mention that um, they the film uses kind of hues, it, obviously it's black and white, it's a mm. silent film, but they use different hues to denote like feelings. So yeah. all of the scenes yeah. with Marguerite and Julio, they've got a kind of pinkish mm-hmm. tinge. Yes. Yeah. And um, the more kind of sorrowful scenes, they've got a bluish mm-hmm. tinge. I think they use um, a kind of sepia brown tinge mm. for some scenes as well. Yeah, I think they use like um, red ones for like really like um, yeah. chaotic, yeah. chaotic yeah. scenes. Yeah. Scenes of war, yeah. mm. like destruction, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, pink for Julio and, and Marguerite. Marguerite. Yes. Yeah, and I hate to keep coming back to this, but <laughs> There's also musical cues <laughs> <laughs> to know when there are feelings. There's, I think there's a bit of a motif with the music okay. where every time that there's like a bit of a, I don't know, exchange between mm-hmm. Julia and Marguerite, there is a particular bit of music right. that's okay. playing. <laughs> Not that you guys well, know. <laughs> we're taking your word for it. Yeah, cool. Throwing shade. Yeah, from man. Sorry. From your home. So yeah, they're discovered in... Julio's art studio, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Marguerite is found there. She's hiding behind a curtain. <laughs> not very as well. You do. Um, and yeah, Etienne is not too happy, as mm-hmm. you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But I think he kind of just agrees to sort of go their separate ways just yeah. to avoid a scandal mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, however, the war starts, so their romance is kind of cut short because yeah. um, Marguerite has to go and become a nurse. and. Yeah, Julio doesn't. No, he doesn't go to war at no. this point. But so Marguerite goes to become a nurse, and she finds her husband, her ex husband, I, I guess. guess. Yeah. Um, he is blinded mm-hmm. from the war, so she feels like a responsibility to look after him, basically. Um, but there's some questionable things that go on. <laughs> yeah. So you think like she's got this very pure intention. However. Um, so there's one point where I think it's when Julio sees her for the first time, like since the war started, and she sees him and she's like, cool, I'm going to go talk to Julio. However, she moves <laughs> her husband away on He's in a wheelchair. Yeah, he's yeah, in a wheelchair. Sorry. Yep, yep. <laughs> she wheels him just far away so she can go and chat to Julio, but there's nothing he can do about it because he's blind. Yeah, yeah. he's still like, in the frame of the shot. Like, yeah, he's just yeah, in the yeah, corner. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's not deaf. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he definitely he, he can. He can definitely hear what's going on, but, you know, there's not much he can do about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's not the only questionable part. So, so Julio, at this point, has gone to war. He's Yeah, decided, enlisted, yeah. Yeah, he's enlisted. He's decided that he wants to do his duty. Mm-hmm. But um, Marguerite is still caring for her husband, mm-hmm. but um, she she's not she's not feeling it. She she <laughs> wants to leave. She she kind of wants to abandon him. So she writes him a note. <laughs> this man is blind. How does she write him a note? I was so oh. confused. I was thinking, is he gonna become not blind? Is someone gonna read it to yeah. him? Do a Rochester. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I was like, just 
Just tell him, right? I know yeah. that she doesn't want to face the music, but like he literally can't see <laughs> yeah. this note that she's written him. Unless then, it was in Braille. Yeah, and but I don't think she was that no. good at it. <laughs> no, I didn't, didn't look like it. Yeah. So yeah, I was very confused about that part. And um, But then she's about to walk out mm. the door. Like She's literally left the note that he can't read on the side. <laughs> And she's about to walk out the door, but then Julio goes to me mm-hmm. and he's yeah. like, he shakes his head, right? He shakes yeah, his head. Pretty sure. yeah, pretty sure, pretty sure. Yeah. It's so um, very spooky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she stays. Yeah. So, on one hand, it's, like, good that she's caring for her husband, but I, I didn't want her to stay mm. in an unhappy marriage. Yeah. But there are better ways to yeah. go about abandoning yeah. your husband. Your blind husband, blind. Yeah. yeah, by writing a note. A, a fun fact about the actress who played um, Marguerite as well, her name's Alice. Terry, and mm-hmm. she married the director of the film. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Also, her hair looks like a tea cosy. <laughs> Correct, yes. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> very Correct. 20s, like, a kind of russet yeah. uh, tea cosy. Mm-hmm. And then Valentino's very slick and shiny. Yeah, super so, slick. So, interesting yeah. hair um, Yeah, hair choices. choices. Okay. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, now we're going to talk about, you know, obviously a big focus of the film is World War One. And yeah, we're just going to talk about kind of the tensions between, like, international tensions at a time. I mean, I'd say that the family is a pretty good representation, you know, of the tensions. Like, it's pretty obvious, like, there's, like, a German side and then there's a French side. Um, and yeah, you just, like, see how, like, there's one scene where Marcelo, the father of Julio, is in his castle and he is, like, an antiques collector. And the German army are kind of like, you know, taking his, his babies away. And by babies, I mean like a solid gold <laughs> bathtub, you know. So at that point, like that's, of course, that's when he bumps into his German nephew, who is part, like a general in the German army. And his nephew just says, like, you know, while Marcelo is kind of like, um, kind of on his knees, like about his bathtub being taken away. He's like super devastated about it. Like his nephew is saying like, oh, what do you expect? This is war, you know. So I guess like you can see like how um the, yeah the tension not just between the nations but also like just in between the families anyway because at first you get like you can see that there's a definite like disconnect between these two you know these two parts of the family and it's just like it's just um like amplified because of the war and because they haven't seen each other in years and obviously the first time that they are reuniting is under these circumstances so it's like yeah man um family ties just they're not not strong enough to withstand a war i guess mm-hmm. do you yeah. think do you think it um reinforces uh, national stereotypes like the french as kind of yeah. um a bit um impractical mm. and yeah. materialistic yeah. i definitely say yeah germany as mm-hmm. kind of it's um the the whole family are very mm-hmm. practical yeah like straight laced kind of yeah straight laced yeah. um kind of disciplined mm-hmm. and they all they're all quite nationalistic as, yeah. as soon as the grandfather dies they're they're like we're going back to germany yeah. like, that's yeah. where that's where the culture of yeah, europe yeah. lies and the french are a little bit more namby yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah um so i think yeah mm-hmm. i definitely say as well they really like played it up with like the german i guess stereotypes because i feel like every time there was a scene with the German part of the family, so there are like three boys, right? Mm-hmm. They they always like marched in single file, like yeah. in and out of rooms, and it was like even when they were like children. So there's like yeah. a brief scene where they're like I don't know, like um, toddlers, I guess, like kind of like really young kids still, like in the beginning of the film, and even then they're already like quite 
like upright, you know, their back and their backs are straight and everything. And there is like um, Madariaga, the um, the grandfather of these children. He's like he said he describes them as glass-eyed carrot-topped sharks. So you can you see you know how how much like you know you see his opinion of them like pretty quick like he doesn't. He doesn't like them. Germany didn't like the film when it came out. It didn't, mm. it didn't do very well there. Oh, <laughs> good figure. Not surprised. Yeah. There's, there's when they're in the final uh, kind of confrontation between the German generals and the um, and Marcelo, the mm. French guy. Yeah. Um, there's, I think I remember this right. Okay. There's a general who's eating an apple, and in like for me, if there's ever somebody eating an apple in a film, they're definitely a monster. Really? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Isn't it like a thing? I'm trying to think of examples now, and the only one I can come up with is from, which is really embarrassing, is Valentine's Day. There's a, there's, and they oh really, God. they really labour the symbol in Valentine's right, Day. Right, okay. There's a guy cheating on his, cheating ah. on his wife, and in all of his, all of his right. scenes, he's juggling apples, and the idea is, it's, he's juggling apples just like he's juggling women. women. Oh, yeah, so, that. uh, maybe that's just me, but I think, like, if you're, if you're, like, chomping into yeah. an apple, then you're not a good yeah. So yeah, think twice before you before you take a bite. Red, red flag. <laughs> what are you getting? Red orange, flag, you ladies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you, you can tell who's who by like looking at them. Like even if you hadn't been mm-hmm. watching the film, mm-hmm. you would probably be able to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the kids had like toy weapons. The yeah, 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 yeah. Even the mustache style. Yeah, yeah. They, so, had, like, they all have glasses as well. And, yeah, like, yeah. The mm-hmm. grandfather's mustache is like a like an so, event. Yeah, it's, it's a, a big, big boy. It's a big, <laughs> it's a big Argentine mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Germans <clears throat> are quite neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and the French are more elaborate. Julio doesn't have. No, I mean he has like the slick back hair and yeah. he's like clean shaved most of the time mm, yeah but i think his dad has like longish hair mm. yeah and like a kind of yeah a mustache i think yeah if i remember it's kind of been that remarkable yeah <laughs> try better like. <laughs> um yeah i just to mention um like cine- you know like uh the cinematic context of this it yeah. was pre-haze code um, okay. The Hayes Code ah, was censoring? yeah. Yes, the okay. Hayes Code was the kind of standard um, standards and practices code, uh, which was in effect like 1930-ish to 1965-ish, um, which was basically like don't show any nudity, don't swear, don't show too much. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> much whatever like, what, you know whatever is not appropriate yeah. a- according yeah. to this guy Hayes um, so this is all pre that so there's like a scene where Julio is paint- painting naked women mm. there's mm-hmm. like a fair amount of debauchery um, yeah throughout, and yeah. also war is like it's, yeah, it's, there's there's some pretty good special effects I think, yeah for, like, explosions yeah, yeah, and for, like, you, do, you do get a pretty good sense of like the Destruction, yeah. the yeah. scale yeah. of it, yeah, the yeah, scale yeah. and yeah. So even though we are picking it apart, <laughs> yeah. it was—it's a well-written film. Yeah, yeah, and it is. The person who wrote the film, interesting lady, June Mathis. Um, she was well. The film she basically wrote what is considered the first anti-war film ever made for *The Apocalypse*. And um, if you didn't know, that's the film we're doing. And she was like one of the only female film executives of her day she was like a pioneer pretty cool lady she was also really weird um, <laughs> she believed in like spiritualism and auras um, right. and um she was a, she was a very close friend of valentino throughout his career he called her little mother 
She oh. was short. Oh. oh, wow. Inventive. Yes. <laughs> and um, she, interestingly, I think, in this script, she she puts in some kind of alternative lifestyles that wouldn't have wouldn't have fit with the Hays Code like right. 10 years right. in the future. So there's a scene where there's German soldiers in drag, for example. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I don't know. We can have a discussion. I don't know whether that's progressive. I mean, mm. it's done for kind of comedy. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Okay. But, but, you know, exposure's exposure, and it mm-hmm. was 1921. So, yeah. yeah, I guess so. Go June. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. She also put a big, big emphasis on theme and plot in her right. and in her screenplays. And I think you can see that in Four Horsemen. I so guess. theme of mm. war. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she was, she was a cool yeah. lady. She, she, um, she, she died. <laughs> I'm, just I'm, just, I'm just talking here. She died. She had, she had a heart attack in the theater and died. Oh. Well, oh, God. yeah. Dang. And she, her last words were apparently mother, I think I'm dying. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, that's rough. She knew. Yeah. yeah, she's she's entombed next door to Rudolf Valentino. Oh, yeah. that's because cute. he. Um, <laughs> that's the <laughs> It's very Romeo and Juliet. And <laughs> um, yeah, she uh, the tomb that Rudolf Valentino got because he wasn't really prepared to die. He was only thirty years yeah. old, prime of life. Um, he um, he was given. She uh, June Mathis donated to him the crypt that she was going to give to her husband but then she divorced him so she gave right. it to Rudolph. Oh, well. Generous. Yeah, generous. Generous, generous yeah. soul. Um, yeah. I guess, should we, yeah, should this, we wrap up? Yeah, just yeah. sum it up like, do we yeah. enjoy the film? Yes. Yeah, just like, what did you, what did you, what do you think? Well, it was the first silent film I ever saw mm. and I liked it. Yeah? Like, relatively, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, very bizarre in places, yeah. but I did enjoy it as yeah. well. How cool. about you guys? I think it would have been met with music. Yeah, I <laughs> agree. I wholeheartedly yes. agree. I think it was affecting, though. I mean, I can see at the time how incredible an experience yeah. it would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, with cinema relatively yeah. new, like, mm-hmm. I can imagine. I feel like, as well, like, there's a lot of build-up in the film. Like, I feel like until you've watched the whole thing, you don't really know what it's going to be about, if that makes yeah, sense. That's true. So I guess, yeah, it's, like as you mentioned, like if it's it's still quite a new um, medium, you know, like mm. cinema, like film. So I guess it would have been very exciting that time. But I guess now that we're we're kind of like spoiled, you know, yeah. we're a bit spoiled with our <laughs> with our films these days. So yeah, like trying to see it from another perspective as well. I I think I think it was a good um first silent film watch. Yeah, I'd say yeah, mm. it was pretty cool. So um, I think that's yeah, it for that's, this week. Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for listening. Next week, if you decide that you can bear, <laughs> you can bear another hour. <laughs> um, next week, we're moving on to 1931. Mm-hmm. And the film is Frankenstein. Yes. Ooh, yeah, Daisy's yeah. very excited. Yay. It's one of my favourite novels. So let's see how the movie yeah. compares. How it moves yes. up. So cool. tune in. That was our tantalising yeah. um, next week. Yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. So next Wednesday at 11. 11. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Or listen to listen to to us. Bye.